Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Opportunity Knocks, the podcast. My name is Dean Miller, and I'm your host. And today we've got, to use his words, and he was 100% right, we have the epitome of a renaissance man with us today. <laughs> this guy is a podcast host, a marketing consultant, a musician, an independent filmmaker, and oh yeah, he's the CEO of Big Lou's Onion Sauce, which is an absolutely fantastic product, not a cheap plug. I used it for the third time two nights ago and actually sent them the picture of it, made a kick-ass burger with his Sweet Lou Onion Sauce. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, let's welcome the one and only Sal Conca. Sal, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Dean, thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate uh, all your support and the things you're doing for local Long Island businesses. And it's a pleasure to finally talk to you one-on-one -on -one today. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's part of why we connected. You know, I'm anybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm not your stereotypical quote unquote foodie, snobby, anything like that. I just love to eat. And, I, you know, I grew up in a world and, and where, where we always had meals on the table and we ate like Gavones with the, with the Italian aunts and aunts and uncles. Uh, I had the only Sicilian, the only Sicilian woman in the history of the world who couldn't cook was actually my grandmother, but her three daughters all became fantastic cooks. Um, you know, as somebody who loves food, who owned a restaurant for a couple of years, who, who has been immersed in social media and learned how much social media, uh, Instagram in particular and Facebook for us, uh, how much they, they were able to help us leverage and grow our business, uh, and taking our database skills from the real estate world, applying them to the restaurant world and now going back the other way. Um, I, I think we're one of these new world connections where we, we probably live 10 minutes away from each other. We've never met, uh, but we bumped into each other on, on Instagram. Um, and, and it's, it's kicking off a relationship and I'm, I'm learning more and more about you. And that's why I really want to have you as, as a guest on the show, because I think, uh, as two guys who are obsessed with small business and want to help other small business owners and do the right thing. And are just passionate about what we do and enjoy it. I, I think that there's great value in what you can bring to our audience. Uh, and I hope there's something that I could bring to yours in return. So again, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, let, let's kick off. Let's, let's talk a little bit. You're a guy who's in the marketing world. You're an independent filmmaker. You're a musician first and foremost. I, I, I kind of got a feeling that that's been something that's been at the root of, of, of who you are for quite some time. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been playing the saxophone since, you know, third grade, right? Like <laughs> one of those kids that got started in band yep. and I was a band geek. I was president of the band, you know, all that stuff. I went to University of Miami for a music business uh, degree nice. and I played saxophone all through college and, and that type of stuff. And now I teach my 10 year old steps, steps on the saxophone. So, you know, music has always been a thread throughout my life, but I think it also started my entrepreneurial behavior. So I started teaching private lessons to local kids at the age of 16 before I even had a license. My mom would drive me around on Saturdays to teach 10 kids in the neighborhood lessons. And I would roll out with, you know, some nice cash on the weekends. That was always a treat. <laughs> so you didn't even realize that you had the, the quote unquote side hustle going. It's just kind of who you were. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was always a worker. I had, you know, always two or three jobs while I was doing school. Like I, I have to keep busy, busy is better than being bored. Right. That's kind of what I always, how I have always you, play. have you always, have you always had the, had the part-time job kind of thing, even going back to when you were a kid? Not that anything now is part-time. Don't take that the wrong way, but have you always been that, that worker, even going back to childhood? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was always doing music, sports, playing multiple sports. Like after school, I was always active. I wasn't okay. home like playing video games all day. I mean, I had, you know, I had Sega, Nintendo and all the BS, but I, I, that's not something I spent hours upon hours doing and I couldn't live without. I'd rather be outside. I was always in the pool, hanging out, playing hockey in the streets, playing soccer. I was a travel soccer player for Levittown uh, Travel League. And, you know, I, and then it was always the music. And then, you know, my parents, God bless them, they uh, they managed that schedule all the time. They yeah. had to make the tough decisions. If I had a saxophone lesson and had to miss practice, they had to have the tough conversations with the coach because the coach would say, well, if he misses practice, I can't start him on the weekend. And they'd be like, well, you know, I don't think so, coach. You know, the kid's got to <laughs> do his thing. So, yep. yeah. I coached, yeah. I coached little league baseball for years. Not, I started coaching even before my, my own kids. Um, I had, uh, two, two nephews and, and my, my uncle passed away and I, I took the reins and coached them for years. And I've always loved coaching 
Yeah, I didn't realize it. I always loved coaching, uh, even going back to, I was, and I was a teenager at the time. I was probably 19, I think, uh, maybe even 18, because I knew I was driving myself to practices. And, and I, I loved having those conversations with, hey, you know, your kids, we get it. We're here to have fun. But I started coaching senior ball, so we were beyond Little League. We were playing 90-foot bases, and the rules change a little bit. Uh, and it was always tough having those conversations with parents and saying, well, if your kid's not willing to put in the work here, I can't make someone else on the team sit and wait just because he may or may not be a little bit more talented. And I think coaching actually leads to, you know, helping us become better leaders as, as business owners. Uh, and I, and I always, I always look at any business owner and say, do they have that coaching, mentoring, training, personality trait within them? And I think that's one way to tell if they're going to be successful or not. Um, and, Absolutely. you know, and, and again, teacher student you've got to be good at both um all right so so let's dive in so you went to university of miami you go you go to school there you're still playing your sax you come out you've got some business knowledge some music knowledge where does that lead you how does that lead you into the marketing world that you're in today yeah so i graduated in 99 and you know at that time it was still go get a corporate job you know it wasn't there still wasn't this entrepreneurial side hustle thing, the internet, the iPhone didn't exist yet. Right. Uh, MP3s didn't exist yet. No, a lot of stuff didn't exist when I hit <laughs> the real world. We so weren't pirating music off a of Napster yet. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, it was like that. <laughs> yep. It was bubbling. It was yep. bubbling underneath the surface. And uh, so I got a job at a record label. So I was lucky enough to come out of school and get a job at a record label. And um, after a year, I found myself unemployed. So I learned real quick that big corporate jobs don't mean security or stability. The the company that I was at had been bought and sold three times while I was there. Made great relationships though and and you know learned a lot and then so from there it was kind of I didn't know what to do and I still was like struggling. I think cuz I had these entrepreneurial tendencies but somehow I felt like I had to get the big job um so I went back and got my MBA. I went to Hofstra University and got an MBA um in marketing. Okay. Uh, to kind of solidify my music and entertainment and the marketing side of things. And while there, um, I was uh, vice president of the marketing association and I met a woman named Fran Cuomo. She worked at 1-800-Flowers at the time and she brought me in there. And that's kind of where I, my digital marketing uh, career kind of took off because I started learning about affiliate marketing, 1-800-Flowers here, we all know, local mm -hmm. Long Island company. They had one of the first affiliate programs with a company called Linkshare back in 1999-2000. 2001. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I got my training ground, uh, because I grew up, ended up in the affiliate marketing industry, going from different company to different company, but for over 10 years, almost 15 years in the affiliate marketing space. Can, can you just touch on briefly and define what affiliate marketing is? Sure. So affiliate marketing is when you, a company pays an affiliate and that could be anything today. It's an influencer. It could be a blogger back then. It was people that did paid search or things like that. Basically you pay them on a percentage of sales. So it's performance-based marketing and you build a direct relationship with them. And so if the biggest affiliates today, right? They're the retail me nots, the Ebates of the world, the cashback sites, things like this. Okay. Those are big affiliates that we would work with and do, you know, thousand dollar deals for around the holidays, Black Friday, you know, all this type of stuff. So paid, um, paid partnerships is a fair way to put it, correct? Yeah, except they're not guaranteed payments. They're right. a payment for performance only. Right. Uh, okay. And and thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Because we're gonna we're gonna I think we're gonna touch on a couple things today, terms that you and I it's just gonna come naturally to us. But I in listening to some of the previous episodes, I know we've we've used industry jargon from time to time and I'm trying to make more of a conscious effort to make this more available to the masses so we're not getting those messages saying what the hell was it you were talking about sure uh, well if anybody wants to know about affiliate marketing I can do like a whole hour on that alone so listen maybe <laughs> maybe we could take you up on that one of these days who knows yeah. terrific so so and it's amazing that 1-800-Flower seems to be such a breeding ground for so many people in in the worlds that are either directly in or slightly touch on the marketing world I, I've you're now the eighth or ninth person this year alone that I know who ran through that machine for some for a short period of time, from some for a significant period of time. But it's it really is a, fa a fascinating company who's had massive success and proud to say that they're still based here on Long Island. Yep, they just moved. Um, I think they just moved offices as well. And, yeah. and you know, they're with what it is with Long Island we don't have a lot of these big companies like 1-800-Flowers where it's a dot-com. I mean, there's a handful right. of 
huge companies that have these, you know, really uh, forward thinking marketing departments that do what 100 flowers does on a national scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And it would be great to see more and more of those type of companies start to grow or come back, come back here. I think it would be a wonderful place. And, you know, it's still not, not a, not the most affordable place in the world to live, but I got a feeling there's some pretty good incentives out there for the bigger companies. Absolutely. But while we wait for them to come back, the little guys like you and me just got to keep grinding away. We're so, doing it. so you've, after, after leaving 1-800-Flowers, you kind of, did you get, stick around in the corporate world for a while or did you bounce out and start to do your own thing? I did. I took another corporate gig. Actually, I, I did a pit stop at a health insurance company called Vitra Health Plans. They were a small local health insurance company here. I don't know. Some people may remember them. They yep. ended up getting absorbed by GHI and HIP. Uh, eventually, I was there for a few years and I was helping run their online uh, marketing opportunities and things like that. But they weren't, you know, as an insurance company, it wasn't really what I was looking to do. So I ended up finding a job at, uh, NBTY, which owns Puritan's Pride and Vitamin World and a bunch of other vitamin brands, they were hiring for an affiliate manager position. And that's really where I started cutting my teeth, owning the entire program, growing it, multiple programs, all that type of stuff for a couple of years. And in the industry, I was just known as the vitamin guy for a while. And, um, you know, and that was a corporate gig, but it was very much like being in a startup because it was an old 50, 60 year old brand, the Puritan's Pride catalog business that they were now taking and transitioning to online, which basically very similar to what 1-800-Flowers did like six years prior, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with the model. It was a direct marketing model. And now from there, we were doing all this online marketing with uh, robust campaigns, everything from affiliate to SEO to blogging. And you know the, the internet was really starting to take shape at this point, right? This is now the internet and fast internet access was becoming accessible to the masses. AOL right. had finally gone away by the wayside, <laughs> you know, those types of things. So it, that time period when I was at MBTY was a very transitional period. And then for me, I craved a little bit more. And it was that still that entrepreneur in me, I wanted to go to an agency because I wanted to taste you know, and if you listen to Gary Vee, the whole tasting thing, I didn't know what that's what it was at the right. time, but I, I was craving something more. I, so I wanted to go to an agency where I could get my hands on all different sorts of things. And that's where I met the guys. They were at uh, an agency called House of Kaizen. At the time, they were called Dead Exponent. Um, and we managed, I was managing a team of, you know, 15 people with up to 20 different affiliate programs and media campaigns going at any given time. And that ranged from audible.com to Dick Sporting Goods to Hot Topic and the list goes on, Red Roof In. So I was really getting what I wanted. I got to taste different industries, different types of campaigns across all these different types of verticals. Kind of, It kind of let you run through the entire mall and then the entire neighborhood around it. Sounds like it. So you got, you got, you got a pretty good, a pretty good community touch there by, by bouncing around. Sound like an interesting mix. I love it. So let's dive in because a lot of what we talk about is, is, um, how, you know, how and why people found their opportunities, where they had their successes, where they had their failures. I love sharing my failures. I talk about my successes from time to time as well, uh, just to let people know that I actually am not a complete failure. Um, but they're, they're great learning experiences. As you transition through having a boss, and let's put it real simple, and becoming, it sounds to me like you were always an entrepreneur. You just, it was, it was somewhere inside you. And eventually it led, I mean, in our conversation the other day, I, I rattled off that intro and I looked, I mean, there's, there's not much this guy hasn't had his hand in at some point. And, and that's the epitome of an entrepreneur, either that or someone who's got massive ADD. And I think sometimes they're all one in the same. I say it to people all the time. I've got ADD, I've got OCD, I've got every ABC that's out there. Um, as you moved into kind of becoming your own boss, Talk to me about who you were looking for as clients, what values you were looking for from them, what value you brought to them, and how you grew your independent your independent machine. Sure. So I think what's important to note is that at some point when I was at that agency, they had a massive layoff. So I, I was at a point where I thought I was going to actually make partner in that agency, and I was laid off. Okay. So it was a very interesting transitional period for me. It was a little bit of opportunity. Yeah. And it was, it was a little bit of a dark time for me. I was kind of crushed by it, had some other personal things that happened at that time. Um, and it just, it was like, damn, 
what do I like? I, I really didn't know what I was going to do at that point. I was making a really good salary. I was working in the city. I was single. I was living in Rockville Center. Things were, you know, pretty damn sweet for me at the yeah. time. And uh, it all just it all just went away. And um, it took me a little bit of time to kind of pick my myself up by the bootstraps. You know, I kind of thought about, you know, got, get, had my pity party for a little while. Then it was, let's enjoy the freedom for a little while. And then it was, but, but that was all a very short period of time. By October, I, had, I was let go in August. By October, I had found two other partners and started an, my own company with them. And we started a, a company called Streamline Marketing. Okay. And, um, you know, so that was my first foray into running my own company and book of business and things like that. And I was responsible for the East Coast sales, um, and East Coast book of business, because uh, my partners were in Seattle and Colorado. So we were a virtual company. Okay. And, um, you know, it was a very interesting time. I still was paying attention to my affiliate roots. But at the time, I was very much transitioning towards content and social media. And when I was your question was, you know, how did I look for clients or what types of clients did I want to work with? Um, I, re- I read a lot and uh, a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. One of my favorites. Yeah. So that resonated with me a lot. And I would use his golden circle talk, his TED talk. I would actually send that to clients ahead of time. After we'd have like kind of a sales call or just a get to know you call, I would say, you know, by the way, I have something that I'd like to send you. And, you know, I think if you if this resonates with you, I think we'll do business very well together. Um, So that was a way for me to kind of gauge clients. And I still use it to this day in certain situations when I feel like I need to. I'll send that to a client. And it's more when I get a feeling of this client's not really going to understand what I'm bringing to the table. And they're not, they're going to be too focused on, you know, immediate sales, quick wins, you know, all that type of stuff that is very difficult to realize if you want to really touch your customers, build trust, build loyalty, do what we're doing, this content-based marketing and and relationship building, it takes time. And it's, it's about that, you know, doing business with people who believe what you believe rather than doing business with everyone. I, I, I love that. And, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of our content has been starting to lean more and more that way of, you know, I'm not, I'm not in business to say I've got a million fans or 10,000 followers. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Simon Sinek because I was thumbing through his, his other, one of his other books, Leaders Eat Last, just last night. Um, and I, I find him to be fascinating. Look at guys like him and Kiyosaki. Uh, they've had a massive impact on me, you know, I, because I, I love reading and consuming uh, stuff that could help me improve and understand better who I am and why I do what I do. Um, so I, I love the fact that you use that third party endorsement almost by sharing that message with your clients to kind of pre-warn them as to who this, who you are and how you do things. I think it's a really interesting idea uh, to not surprise them and to set that level of expectation early, very early in the process. I think that's a great move on your part and, uh, and something that I will definitely look into to doing more of for ourselves to say, these are our standards. This is what I've always been a believer in. You know, the, the customer's always right until they're not. Because there are times that you, you and I, I learned that the hard way in the restaurant business. Uh, you know, people just because someone came in drunk and you kicked them out doesn't mean that you're you're a garbage place. You know, that the extremes. Um, but I really like that that concept of of in my head as you're saying this. I had visions of different PDFs, different links, different videos, what we can do to share with our clients on the real estate end to just kind of keep reminding them, this is what to expect next in the process. And I love that. And I think that's a big part of marketing as well is that edu- constant education uh, and, and strengthening the relationship and the level of expectations along the way. So that's something that we're going to, we're going to dig deeper into after this. And and I appreciate you putting a huge project on my plate as a result of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to talk more about the customer journey because that's really what you're defining, right? Is that Let- customer journey from awareness level to closing a sale? That's, you know, and what, what you provide them at each step of that journey. That's Let- really what it's let's, about. Let's dive into that a little bit, you know, with, uh, because I, I think while we're here to help people learn and find their own opportunities, I think that that level of awareness is a massive opportunity as well. Let, why don't we dive into the nuts and bolts and get a little a little uh, tactical for five or ten minutes, if you don't mind? Sure, absolutely. So, so 
if you talk about marketing, the type of marketing that I do with clients, it's it's about recognizing the customer journey, right? So at the top level, you have to be part of the what they call the consideration set, which means you need to build awareness, this top level funnel. It's wide and big. And you know, if people don't know who you are, they can't consider you for a purchase, right? So that's a lot of what the Instagram, the influencers are about. It's about building broad, wide awareness, why we're sitting here today. People are now going to become aware of Sal Conca. They're becoming aware of Dean Miller, right? right? That's that's why we're sitting here today. But nobody's going to listen to this podcast and immediately purchase a website for me for $10,000, right? So they have to kind of get to know you. And it's the same if you're a food company or a restaurant or anybody else in this world we live in. Um, so they have to be aware of you first. Then they have to consider you. And that comes from um, you know, the social media, social proof, things like that. Do you have reviews? Do you have blog posts? Do you have content, other types of content out there that you can warm the lead up, right? And get them into your lead funnel and start to provide them with value along the path, right? And so if somebody's new to your process or they're a new business, they may need different information as opposed to a company that, you know, is not a local business. They're an e-commerce business that, has a broad audience, but is looking to grow. So you have to be able to identify that type of client who the audience is. And from there, you know, it's about closing that sale. How do you then do you present them with an offer? Do you provide them with a proposal? How, you know, what are those next level steps that you can go through in order to lead them through to close the sale? So, I mean, that's really what it's all about. And it translates, it doesn't matter whether you're doing B2B, B2C, e-commerce, it, it doesn't matter what type of business it you are. It translates into every single business out there. And that's going to lead me to transition into this. Part of what you've been doing lately and part of some, something that I've been passionate about is helping local businesses, but especially the restaurant world, because I've got a connection to them and I've, I've learned and met so many people in the industry that do not get the credit for being the amazing people that they are because all too often they're buried in an office in the basement at the restaurant, trying to keep the doors open and manage to improve things, or they're stuck on the line in the kitchen uh, and they get to come out and touch tables for a couple seconds at a time. And most people don't really get to know who these, who these amazing people are. Uh, I've found that the hospitality industry tends to have some of the most generous, kindest, uh, real people you will ever meet. Uh, and we see on TV, you know, we all, we all love them. Gordon Ramsay cursing and throwing pots and pans. And you hear the stories about uh, teachers at culinary Institute and the old, the old guard in the kitchens where chefs would literally throw frying pans across, you know, blazing hot frying pans across a, a kitchen of 20 people. But when you get them out of that psycho mode, they're the nicest people in the world. Um, you know, and, and I could rattle off a list of 10 people literally right off the top of my head that I've never done business with that I go out of my way to go support their businesses. Um, I got to be careful because I'm, I'm on the verge of falling down yet another rabbit hole. But let's, <laughs> so I'm trying to pull myself out. It's, it's one of those self-awareness things that I've been working on lately. I'm failing miserably, but I'm at least working on it. Um, let's, let's dive into the whole food world with you. Um, sure. Let's, let's talk about the product side first, and then let's get into what you're doing for restaurants. Um, one of the ways, I think the, the first way that you and I connected was I saw a post on Instagram from a company on Long Island that was delivering onion sauce. I have not had actual onion sauce in years. And when I saw it, first thing I did was I went online, I looked, I said, holy cow, they're here local, and I put it in order. But we had connected briefly, you know, a like here, a comment there, on on your it's big Lou's onion sauce correct that is correct it's big Lou's onion sauce um do you want me to give you like the the quick history there and please yeah let, let's give us give us the nickel tour of it uh and, and then let's dive into that and then we'll jump into your podcast and all the things you do with some of the other places sure so big Lou's onion sauce it's an homage to my grandfather who was big Lou it's my father's father and he used to make this onion sauce for our family at family picnics for decades, right? And so as many family recipes go, the joke around the table, oh, big, you should sell this. You should be selling this stuff. Everybody, you know, it's always the same story, right? And everybody looks at each other and goes, yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, and um, it's one of those things that as he passed away and my uncle passed away, who was making it, his son, um, I, I'm a foodie. I've yep. been cooking and cutting my teeth on the food network, 
you know, for years, meaning watching the Food Network and mimicking recipes and right. watching Chef's Table on Netflix. Like I, I'm entrenched, like I'm obsessed with food, right? Yep. And going out to restaurants, taking pictures, the whole deal. So, uh, you know, it was at the point where I was in another kind of transitional period and thinking about what to do and the marketing consulting business was going okay. And, you know, but I just, I wanted to do something else. Cause even as a consultant, you're very beholden to your clients all the time. And it's not as independent as people think. Everybody go, Oh, it's great. Yeah. I'm working till like midnight every night because I got deadlines and projects. And you're, and, and you're unemployed every morning. You know, it's like you're going out to look for new work every day while you're servicing the other ones. Not as easy as it looks for many people, but continue. Exactly. It's a delicate balance of uh, hunting and doing the work. Yep. It's, it's a very delicate balance. But anyways, so Big Lou, uh, I, I look, I, I, Father's Day was coming. We typically make it around Father's Day and I was making up a batch and I, I don't know, I called my dad on the phone and I was just like, let's do this. I was like, because I made it for a party for basically for friends of mine who had never had it before. So it's always easy. It's an easy sell when you're with family, right. you know, or you're around friends and family and you kind of go, well, yeah, of course everybody likes it. It's what they know. So I don't know. I went to some party with strangers there and I called my dad and I was like, we got to do this. We got to try it. Let's find out the information. Let's do the re like, cause I don't even know what it means. I don't know what the hell, how the hell do you put onions in a jar? I have mm -hmm. no clue how you do this at scale. Right. Right. And, uh, I did my research. There was a woman on Long Island from Farmingdale who used to have a commercial kitchen in Farmingdale. It's now um, like lithology uh, brewery and um, you know, it's, it changed. She doesn't run that kitchen anymore, but at the time she was offering like consulting for like a hundred bucks for like an hour call. She gave me like the, 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 all this list of information. So it was, you know, you had to get your product tested at Cornell university. You had to get your standard process. You had to get, you know, this list of things that you basically had to do. So I said, great, let's do it. And so I decided to do it. I found a commercial kitchen. I found a supplier to deliver me all my ingredients. We worked on recipe development, meaning like we actually now had to be very specific yeah. about how much salt and how much tomato sauce and how much onions goes in the pot because otherwise you won't know how much it costs and right. all that stuff, right? So it starts to go from fun to the practical side of things. And we started um, cooking at the kitchen in Amityville. There's a place called Kitchen Co-op in Amityville. Mm -hmm. And so we would book four-hour sessions. Uh, it's available to anybody. They're still there. It's a great company. They're down the block from me. And a lot of businesses get their start there. So I would bring in me, my mother, my father. I would have a friend or two come once in a while, my wife, my wife's parents, you know, when they were in from Poland because they live in Poland. So it would be a lot of us in the kitchen everywhere from five to six people for four-hour shifts. And we would process 150 pounds every four hours. And that would mean huge vats that have uh, a brazier on the stove, cooking 10 pound batches at a time and dumping them into a bigger 50 quart pot. And I would eventually end up with three pots because we make three varieties, sweet, spicy, and garlic. And so that's how it started. And we would like literally just start making this stuff. And we started selling at farmer's markets back in 2018. Okay. So, so, so this is a, this is a very, this is a company that's very much still, I wouldn't say it's still in the infancy stage, but you're kind of just kind of coming out of that toddler adolescent stage. Is that, is that fair? That's definitely correct. We are at the point now where we have a co-packer, right? So okay. we have our official organic certification. That was another hurdle. So we are USDA organic certified product, which creates another level of complexity. Um, you know, we went from producing, um, 300 pound runs to our first run of our co-packer was 900 pounds. And now we're producing 2000 pounds at a time wow. when we go in and do a run. So it changes the math dramatically and, you know, it changes everything. And we had a lot of failures, you know, to talk about failures. So, you know, we went to a co-packer, unfortunately they burned a batch. We lost a thousand dollars in one day, like literally burnt money, right? Sorry, that snap is going to not be great for Corey. That's all right. Um, <laughs> He's listening on the headphones over here. He catches it all. <laughs> I know. I was like, as soon as I did it, the podcaster in me went, ah, Corey's going to hate me for that one. So anyways, um, yeah, we, ha we had a ton of failures and we're still, to be honest, we're still struggling. We're struggling with how to really scale this business and get enough attention and eyeballs. I mean, yeah, I'm great at social media. I'm doing a lot of things, but I don't have $20,000 to throw at the situation and just like all of a sudden build big brand awareness or do anything like that, you know? So it's been a slow roll. I do a lot of recipe videos when I can. I'm, you know, in between doing all the other things that I do. Right. right. Um, 
I think an important part of this equation too is there's an association on Long Island called the Long Island Food Council. Mm-hmm. So it's run by Michael Tucker. He's the president of the of the Long Island Food Council. I've been a member since basically I started the company. So they've been instrumental in helping guide me as a business as well. So in, the council is 150 members and there's everything from marketing consultants to lawyers to accountants, as well as other food manufacturers and brands. So you just get to network and meet these other like-minded food brands that are doing the same thing you're doing and learning from them, seeing what they're doing, how are they manufacturing? And, you know, it comes down in this business to economies of scale and, you know, figuring that out. Like, so right now we're in conversations with a very large distributor. Um, I don't know, I guess I could say their name. It's Kehi. Okay. So, because we don't have a contract with them yet. So I don't want to, I don't know, but I don't know that there's anything confidential about that. So we're in conversations with a distributor called Kehi, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, great, we're ready to go. I'm working with our broker. We think we got a deal going. I was able to get the cost of production down. I actually shaved off a ton of money. I didn't think I'd be able to do it. This is all this week, like literally this morning calls. And I get a call from my broker. Oh, they didn't realize your cases were 12 packs. They want you to be six to eight in a pack. And I went, (laughs) you know, I just, I got to throw my hands up in the air because the boxes that we get from our glass manufacturer our jars come in 12 packs and I've emailed them. They don't do six or eight pack. So I'm like, I don't, now I don't know what to do, (laughs) you know? So it's another hurdle and the entire thing, any entrepreneur, I don't care if you're a restaurant owner and I talk to them about that on my show all the time Mm -hmm. or your food manufacturer, whatever it is, problem solving. You have to have a tough enough skin to be able to problem solve on literally a daily basis. That's it. It, It's you know, most of the, most of the time, our, our number one role is to play firemen to constantly put out fires. Um, some some of those fires we create, some are created as a result of us moving too quick and friction and all the other problems that come along with it. But I think it's part of the beauty of being an entrepreneur as well. I mean, it, it, it's not for everybody, and I don't think it's the kind of thing that can be taught in school. I say that all all too often. I think most of the tactics that are involved in becoming a good entrepreneur can be learned in school, but how to translate them into being a psychotic self-employed owner, uh, or or saying you know you have like I, I I frequently like to say I have the worst boss in the world. He's the jackass who looks back at me in the morning when I brush my teeth. Uh, the guy's absolutely insane all too often. But I, I, I greatly appreciate and I, and I hope our listeners who are currently in the business of, you know, currently in the entrepreneur world or aspire to it, take that, that clip that you just went through right there with the company because it talks about so many different stages that you were aware of, but not even just because of the way that the process works, there are things in there that you don't, are beyond your control and you've got to adjust. And it sounds like you're doing – and to use your words, it sounds like you're doing at least an above average job of it at worst right now because you're acknowledging them and moving and adjusting quickly. And yeah, I think that's we're what- doing the best we can. I mean, the goal here is, and especially in the food manufacturing business, it's very different than other businesses because the margins, again, they're razor thin. Yeah. The whole idea here is to not lose your shirt, not lose a lot. You know, if you can break even for the first couple of years, just so you can get the brand out and build enough customer awareness, you know? And so, you know, we found a lot. I mean, honestly, there's different learnings I've had all the time. Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. Honestly, I'm selling way more on Facebook right now through Facebook groups, friends of mine who are doing recommendations on Facebook and all that type of stuff. So the data, as much as I want to spend a lot of time on Instagram, and as as much as it's the darling of social media, it's not doing direct sales. My direct sales are still coming from Facebook. Yeah, it's funny. We notice the same thing. Instagram is the, it's the sexy place to be right now from, for, I would say the majority of people. And I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, the youngest and the oldest sides of the demographics out of the mix. Um, but I think more and more people need to realize that the, the leverage, even though Instagram's owned by Facebook, the leverage and the opportunities you have on the Facebook side are so much more potentially beneficial in almost every industry that is not heavily influencer influenced. If that, if that makes sense. I love the fact that Instagram is putting the, the product buttons on posts now and you can buy right from a post. I think it was a brilliant move and I, uh, they stole it from someone else who I can't remember. I saw it where I saw it first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's, that's the beauty of being the king is that you can take those things and, and adapt quickly. Uh, you know, they almost put Snapchat out of business overnight at, at one point when they started this story is the, the frantic nature of everybody who's in the social media world of, Oh my God, what's going to happen. 
everybody's still alive and kicking. So, um, exactly. but I, I love, I love the fact that you, you have, there are so many subtle distinctions that I hear you picking up on every step of the way here. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy for you to hear it. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're sharing it because I, I think this, there's a, there's a career education going on in the last 40 minutes that you and I have been talking about just based off a of real world experience. And what triggered that was your, your comment, comment about the Long Island Food Council. And all I heard from that was, you know, one of our core values is giver's gain. Always give away your best information for free. Be the kind of person who comes from a position of giving, however you want to phrase it. And it sounded to me like you connected with a huge group of people whose only goal is to give as much help as they can to others. And I think that's what I would love to build the audience of this podcast to, to become is, is a bunch of givers. And, and again, it, I, I can't wait to submit it and hit, put the post up later today uh, on Instagram and probably on Facebook and a couple other places about becoming a leader and being a giver and being a guide in people's processes. And it sounds like uh, I, you and I have more and more in common every time you say <laughs> something else. And I, I look forward to nurturing this relationship and being of mutual benefit to each other. Let's jump out of, let's jump out of the big lose onion jar right now. But, and we will plug big lose onion sauce on Instagram, on Facebook website. Yeah. Fa Facebook, Instagram, big lose onion yeah. And if I can, everybody listening to this, if you're on long Island, 20% off now through Memorial day, long Island, 20 coupon code. Okay. We'll, we'll link all of that up and, and we're going to do a couple, we'll, we'll take a couple snippets for, from this and create some other content for it as well to promote sure. that for you. It, it is. And I don't say this cause Lou's on the show and I didn't bring him on the show because I love the product, but the product is really good. The only problem I have with the product I told, I told Lou the other day is I'm having a really hard time getting a good quality picture because it's a, it's a cooked down onion sauce, which kind of, doesn't provide the greatest color pop. And when you put it on a brown burger, even if it's still medium rare, that pink and the onion sauce, it's getting lost. But I got better with that last one. I did some baby portobello mushrooms and cheddar. Look, it, it, it tasted a thousand times better and it looked okay in my, my somewhat half-assed, not great quality picture. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank but, you so yeah, much. Yeah, no, I love, I, I, I love, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, the best thing you could do to, aside from, from, buying from a small business owner that the world today uh, there's so many ways to share and spread the message and it literally takes nothing more that at, at a minimum you know give that double tap and give them a like or, or a thumbs up or something let them know that you're paying attention to them because as small business owners we could fall into that insecurity pit really quick so we do appreciate we, not that we need the numbers for validation but it's nice to get that appreciation from people and the awareness you mentioned your show and you've got, you've been involved in several. So let's, let's take this, this last segment and, and work down that path. Um, we have a mutual acquaintance who I've connected with in chef Jonathan, uh, who I didn't realize you'd produced a show for him. You've got your own podcast that you're doing that I absolutely love. And I'm already poaching ideas from what you're doing. So thank you very much. Um, but that's what, listen, that's what this is all about. There's nothing, yeah. what you're doing, what I'm doing, there's nothing new. Somebody else did this long before we did. And we learned it by accident, hearing it from someone else. It's, exactly. I will give credit wherever I can. And like I said, you, you very quickly have become somewhat of an inspiration in many tactile little pieces of how we're doing things. And you'll see the influence over the course of time. And I appreciate it. Well, that's uh, very flattering. Thank you. And I'm, I'm here to repay the favor whenever I possibly can. But the concept of doing your podcast with restaurant owners. Uh, but let, let's go down those paths. You, you've done indie film work. You've done uh, independent TV programming. You've got a, a podcast that just every time I see stuff from it, it gets better and better and more engaging to me. So tell, tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind those things, where it came from and where you're going with it. Yeah. So as it, it, all the worlds, you know, what is it? The Seinfeld worlds colliding, right? Is that the quote? That's it exactly was, it. So it was, you know, my worlds, you know, uh, film, creativity, uh, cooking, food, you know, all these things I wanted to be able to blend in some way. And I'm a very, as much as I, you know, I have my MBA and I have my degrees, I'm very self-taught. I mean, I spent a lot of time on one of those jobs that I mentioned earlier that was actually very boring. I taught myself how to build websites. I taught myself how to use Photoshop. And in the last couple of years as an independent entrepreneur, I've been teaching myself video editing, film production, photo shoot, photography, you know, so all those things have, you know, 
cultivated into being able to do things like a podcast or independent films. So I have a partner. His name is Joe Kane. Uh, shout out to Joe Imper- at Imperfect Joe on Instagram. Go follow him as well. Uh, we've known each other. Uh, I'll give you the quick story. We met each other on Craigslist because I was looking for a bass player for my Green Day tribute band. So we met years and years ago that way, and we've become you know best of friends. Families are very close, you know, all that type of stuff. And he was doing film production before I even held ever held a camera. And he was going to start a podcast with his partner at the time. And I kind of got involved and I would go out on some of these independent shoots because he would call me in to do audio. That's how it started. I would come in. I would help them with the audio. I would do sound, hold boom mics, mix while they're filming, making basically a bunch of like independent short films uh, locally. We'd shoot at the Massapequa Preserve a lot. That's Joe's like favorite spot on on Long Island. So (laughs) a lot of our early films are all shot at Massapequa Preserve. So from there, uh, you know, I got more and more involved and I saw what they were doing in the podcast and I've never produced one before, done anything like that, but I knew the concept behind it because of my background and working with Audible actually helped, had a lot to do with that and, and things around that nature. So I saw what was happening and I said, I kind of basically just took over one day. That's basically what happened. I just came in. I took over the podcast. It was called the Imperfect Podcast at the time. We did over 85 episodes and we interviewed actors, filmmakers, screenwriters, and anybody connected to the independent film world. And we met many key people. It got us out to the American film market where we pitched one of our film ideas in California. Um, it led us to crowdfunding $10,000 on Seed and Spark for an independent film we shot here with three of the actors we interviewed on our show, right? That's how the relationships actually yep. work in this business. So all of that cultivated. And then, you know, it just became more and more where I wanted to be more involved with the creativity. I, I like holding the camera independent films do not pay well, you know, and shockingly, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's the starving artist syndrome. So I had to be very careful with balancing my time as a marketing consultant and taking on these projects to build out the portfolio. Um, There was an opportunity that came out around a year ago with chef Jonathan. He was looking for a production team. He had this concept and this idea for family kitchen revival, which was about helping eight families on long Island who had went through struggles at the time and thanking the people that helped them with a big family style meal. And that was about telling these people's stories of struggle. And, um, you know, we worked with chef to help him produce the concept and shot it all. We worked with, uh, Canon, who's a local company, Canon USA pro. They actually don't, uh, uh, they didn't donate. They provided us with cameras through their seed program, uh, to work with. So we had some real next level cameras that we didn't own ourselves for the, for that shoot. And, um, we re- released it last year on Amazon Prime, so all self-distributed. We got some good PR around it from Newsday and you know all the local uh, the local press and things like that. So um, you know that was our big first foray into really a production of that size. That was you know grueling. That you know yeah. for a little crew and an independent budget, that was a, a bear of a project. So that, that was, was your, that was your first big project. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. It, he's 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 a character, Jonathan. Um, we, he was actually scheduled to be a guest on our show in studio the day after the shutdown all happened. Uh, oh, so wow. we we've yet to get him in the studio, and his schedule is a nightmare because he's all over the place. But mm-hmm. we're uh, he he will be a future guest. Uh, we you know we were sponsoring him for the the the, the world. Uh, I forget which competition. World Food Championship. World, yeah. yeah, we were we were proud to sponsor him for that, and we would do we were getting ready to do some work with him. But uh, um, cool. you know the the change that quick society change said we can't get face to face, and it, it's funny how many people I've I've had the pleasure of interviewing who literally I could probably <clears throat> I'm not going to say I'm going to get on my bike and ride to your house because I'm not in that kind of shape, <laughs> but if I was, I probably could get there. Uh, that's a goal for next for next summer. Um, but it just blows my mind how many wonderful independent small business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives, hard workers that we've had the chance to meet. And the common thread with all of them is that they're all such givers. Um, you know, we're, we're all, we're all looking out to help whoever we can. And it's like, I tell people in the real estate industry all the time, you know, there's, there's over 29,000 of us in this business here on Long Island. And while we may technically be considered competition, we've, we're coworkers more often than not. Uh, and we got to treat it that way. And I think 
becoming more involved in the chambers of commerce is in the local, the, the local trade organizations and things like that. I love that you've touched on so many of them because it shows where the inspiration, I, I have a hard time getting it out of my mouth sometimes saying, saying things like that. Um, and how, how to express it. But, but I, I, th I think getting involved and it's not just networking for the sake of networking. It's, it's, you know, I, I met a wonderful woman, Valerie Lamp from elephant networking a couple months ago, about a year ago. Um, and we had a conversation and she said to me, why don't you ever do the whole networking thing? I said, because I'm tired of walking into rooms and everyone saying, you got a referral for me. You got a referral for me. And we got to talking and I said, well, if you put me in a room full of people who have a tendency to ask the question, who's your ideal customer? Or how can I help you as opposed to how can you help me? And that triggered something to say, look at that. I just did the snap as well. So I apologize. Uh, but it triggered something in my head to say, you've got to not only be that way, but you've got to put that message out there to people as well. Um, and, and you have done a great job in the short time we've known each other. I really look forward to connecting and when all is said and done, getting out there and having, having a drink or a, di or a dinner with you and, and sitting in a room, getting in a room full of people to say, Hey, what can we do to what, what do you do? Where do you need help? Hey, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. Uh, and whether it's, we barter and trade or whether we hire, hire each other or, or refer each other out. I think that's what opportunity is all about is how can you help people get themselves to the next level? It's not about being transactional. It's about how can you move people up the ladder and be there with them to be that leader that's at the bottom of the hill, pushing everybody up as opposed to standing at the top of the hill and cracking the whip and saying, get up here or, you know, uh, and, and I, I, I see so much of that in you and I, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm, I'm very glad that more and more I'm starting to realize by putting my message out there, the quality of people I'm meeting, not that the people I knew before were bad, but I'm watching the level of quality. And I don't know if it's because they're better people that I'm, they're better quality for what I'm looking for, or if it's that I'm becoming more and more aware of it. Um, but you've done a great job of, of pushing and inspiring me in a very short time. And I appreciate that. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come out onto the show and, and help us out. You got it. Let's, let's wrap because we're doing a podcast here and let's talk a little bit about your newest podcast project, yeah. which I think was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, pivot is the word of today and uh, because of what's going on and around COVID and all these types of things. And uh, you know, I found myself in a position where work right now was not, uh, pumping in the way I needed it to because of businesses being closed down and everybody tightening the budgets on the marketing spend and all that type of stuff. So unfortunately, you know, I had to think again a lot about what I was doing and I'm grateful that I have big lose because I'm pushing that a lot. And, um, you know, it gave me time to refocus on that and work on things like the Kahi deal. But at the same time, I wanted to do something to really help restaurants. And I've had this, I wanted to really do a podcast of my own for a long time after having done the the imperfect podcast with the indie film stuff. But my passion's really food. And it's not my partner Joe's. And it's not, you know, so this had to just it was just a very me thing, this show, selfishly. Okay. But in that selfishness, it was all about telling the stories of restaurant owners and helping them and understanding what they're going through right now how they're being creative, how they're driving their business, how they're keeping their head above water right now. I mean, we all know it's takeout and delivery, but it's more than that because these guys are really, you know, responsible for their their staff, who they treat like family. Some are family, they're family-run businesses, you know, the restaurants play such a key role in our society, you know, as we know how much food plays an important role in our society, and I think People take for granted food just in general. And, you know, we talked about Big Blue's onion sauce being an organic product. I mean, that stems from a deeper connection that I have with food around the way I treat food, uh, you know, farm to table type. I, I buy a lot of organic and buy from a farm CSA at my own home, you know. So those types of things are really important to me in how I work with restaurants and really catering to the small business owners and things like that. So big food talk, you know, at bigfoodtalk.com, we've already released 13 episodes. If I, depending on what time we wrap this today, I may release episode 14. I haven't committed myself to any particular schedule publicly, but I'm releasing, you know, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and just trying to get as many out as I can. And the idea behind that is to scale it as quickly as possible. Cause you know, if you, 
if you think about the math, you know, if you release one a week, basically you can do 52 a year. Yep. And so it becomes very difficult to gain an audience unless you are the people that you're bringing on are very influential, but it's very hard to get influential people on your show if you're not influential yourself yeah. in some degree. So you have to kind of play in your own uh, your own your own sphere of influence, so to speak. And this was very much, you know, I partnered with a few people to do it. Uh, the Long Island Food Council is supporting it. Uh, Elisa Guidis uh, on Dine LI Facebook group is supporting mm-hmm. it. Uh, Jared at Yelp Long Island is supporting it. So, you know, that immediately gave me some distribution points to push the message out. And then I obviously, you know, as a marketer, I'm building my own email list, I'm putting it out over every social channel. Yep. Facebook is crushing it over Instagram. Like, you know, and YouTube, obviously doing the video portion of this and having YouTube. And, you know, everybody always asks, well, why are you doing video? Because I could be wrapped and do a podcast and have it wrapped and done with audio only, probably from the time I'm done and have it finished in about an hour. It was just a straight podcast. You want to add the complexity of video, add the complexity of a blog, do the SEO work, do the imagery and the creative. It starts to add up and it takes me, you know, anywhere between two to four hours to put an episode out after it's wrapped and completed by the time I do all the graphics, do the editing, you know, <laughs> and that's, and I, for me, I feel like that's a pretty streamlined process because I got my bumpers already set. I record my intro as soon as the episode ends, you know, all the things that we go through to be able to make those things fire on all cylinders. Um, I'll say for anybody listening, I don't know what you use for your podcast host, but I, I decided to use anchor FM okay. because this was a, you know, a free funded podcast. There's no sponsors or advertisers right now. And, um, you know, it was a charity thing. We are taking donations for the restaurants. We created an apparel line for the restaurants. Um, my friend Rich Sincata, who lives in North Carolina, I met him at NBTY, Puritan's Pride, up here 15 years ago. We still keep in touch, right? So he made the logo for me um, that says, uh, so the shirts, they, we sell shirts, hoodies, and an apron that says, I love our New York, our Long Island restaurants. But it says, you know, it says, I, with a big heart, with a fork and knife over the blackout of Long Island. It's a pretty cool uh, design that we came up with for the shirts. And it's really just about supporting these Long Island restaurants that need our help. Um, you know, and that's, that's what the show is all about for me. Just trying to give back as much as possible. And on the other side of the mic, our restaurant owners is, is primarily who, who the yes. guests are, correct? That is primarily the target, but we're, we're starting to extend the playing field a little bit, meaning we are talking because of the food council, food manufacturers, other food manufacturers, food safe. There's a food safety consultant Mm -hmm. that I'm interviewing coming up, talking about, you know, what they can, what they're doing and what people should be concerned about in terms of food safety, cleanliness, you know, in the restaurants, what it's going to look like after things open up again. So we're bringing in people that touch the restaurant industry as well. Um, One of the interviews I did really great guys at premier payroll, Mike D'Onofrio and Vinny Papalardo, they actually provide payroll solutions for the restaurant industry. Their business was devastated through all this. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're talking to restaurant owners 90% of the time, but we're also bringing in key people, that are, you know, connected to food and connected to restaurants. The, affi- the, the affiliate well. people that make the machines in the restaurants actually run somewhat smoothly. I love it. We're, yeah. we're actually, we, we started to launch and hit some roadblocks, but we're, we were getting ready to double and triple down. We launched, we launched another brand called if you live here, which is all about if you live here on this part of long Island, this is what you could experience. And it was, it was heavily scheduled for restaurants and a few other small, small mom and pop type shops for the same reasons. Uh, and I, th- I, I think subconsciously that's why I connected with you. I'm, I'm like, this guy's trying to do similar things, not the same, but there's, there's a similar lo- path that we're both on, uh, in trying to feature local restaurants. And we were doing, you know, we were doing the whole, the whole foodie thing. We'd walk, you know, do the walk and talk and sit down and interview the owner and watch him make a product or two. And, and we would promote for them, um, uh, we were running paid ads to, to build our brand, which would leverage them. And if they yeah. wanted to make an offer, we were pushing their offers. So I think there's a lot of stuff that I could, I could watch and learn from you. And I, and I will definitely stay in touch because I think you and I can have a tactical conversation on about so many different things to say, all right, it's like taking everything, throwing it through the paper shredder and then putting it in the fan. Now we've got to put the pieces, we've got to put the pieces together and I think in working together with people like you and like some of the others that you mentioned that I'm going to do a little bit more work on, I think there's ways to really take, take the state of the world today and find the positive in it and, and build it as a cooperative group. 
and everybody gets their gets their fair share of the pie because listen nobody not necessarily everybody goes to work to not get paid i mean we're not all yeah. priests and monks we're here to to make a living uh, but in the process of making a living we're here to help other people make a better living as well and i Absolutely. i think i think there are some fantastic collaboration efforts between you and i which i look forward to pursuing and and doing in the near future and i think some of I, I could think of some of the people who I know who have listened to our podcast who will definitely benefit greatly from what you've done. So if your phone starts ringing off the hook, when I say off the hook, maybe one a month, but if your phone starts ringing as a result of what you did here, that that becomes a huge win. And that's I, like you said, I, that's why we do it. I, you know, if I can connect with one person and have a positive impact, it's a win. Um, yep. Yeah, and I want to say just to, to tag team on on yeah. that conversation. You know, for me, as I'm sitting on the other side and knowing. I've produced podcasts for others and I, I do that as well. Right. I, I have two clients that I produce podcasts for now and um, you and I, it could very easily be seen as competitive and right. I love that it's collaborative yep. instead of like, well, I'm not going to have Sal on. Why would I have Sal on when he does what I do? That conversation, you know, so I'm so glad yeah. that Listen, we're able we, to have this conversation. We're, we're in, we're in, we're positioning ourselves. So the, Right now, this is run through the media division of my real estate company. We're in the process of trying to figure out how to best reposition it and, and start, spin it off to a separate company. From there, we, we've already got planned out to run a podcast division where people are paying us to come in, use our studio, use our services and do it. So there's there's more than enough. And again, it goes to just why are there 29,000 licensed real estate, realtor licensed real estate sale, salespeople on Long Island? There's more than enough to go around for those who want to work. And and if I can help raise somebody else up, if I don't get paid today, you know, karma, good things happen to people who do the right thing. And I, I very clearly see you as one of those guys who, who follows in one of my mantras of doing the right thing is always the right thing. Uh, but, you know, it's like my dad always said, I'll give you the shirt off my back, but don't try to take it from me. Absolutely. I've gotten smacked around by him with that more than more than a few times in my <laughs> life. And you know what? I appreciate every one of them. Dude, I know we're going to continue these conversations. I look forward to sharing this message more and more. If there's ever anything I can do to be of help to you, you know how to find me. Uh, and we're, we're going to we're going to push. We're going to take this this podcast and chop it into some pieces as well to promote some of the things that you do individually as all your different companies, as well as you collect you and, and Sal Conca Inc. kind of is the which is the way I look at my stuff is Dean Miller Inc. Um, and, and do whatever we can to help you grow your audience and find those needles in the haystack who need your assistance. I can't thank you enough for coming out and doing this. I look forward to continuing that relationship. I look forward to continuing to eat your product because it really is damn good. And I look forward to finding a way to get that perfect picture of it, at least for me. Um, I'll but, give you some tips on that when we hang up. It sounds, it sounds like a plan. I appreciate that. Listen, it, it eats well. It just, in my case, it doesn't photograph well, but it's not the product. It's the photographer. Um, any closing remarks? Uh, Dean, I just want to thank you for having me on. It was a great opportunity, a great conversation. Obviously, like you said, we're two like-minded individuals here on Long Island. And, you know, as much as I know and network with a lot of people, it's hard to find this and yeah. find people that really do and understand at a level of what we, what we can do for people and help them and help their business survive during this time. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you again for having me on. And if anybody's looking to get in touch with me, I'm available, Instagram, Facebook, yep. LinkedIn, you can connect with me anywhere you'd like to connect with me. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think the more we keep pushing the message of collaborate and cooperate, people will start to see it as for, for what we hope it will become. You know, all too often when you see two guys sitting down, having a conversation, doing an interview, everybody's saying, well, what's in it for this guy? What's in it for that guy? What are they trying to get across? The reality of it is the message we're trying to put out there is be positive, be cooperative, help someone else, because the more, the more opportunities you get to teach and share, the more you're going to learn. It becomes a win-win for everybody. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I, without, any doubt, I will be more than happy to say he is the one and only Sal Conca that I've ever met, and he's pretty—he's a pretty damn good version of it. Uh, Sal, I appreciate your time, your intelligence, your willingness to share, uh, and what I hope will become a, a continued business relationship and friendship. I look forward to growing that with you uh, and being of help in any way possible. 
Uh, thanks so much again for your time. And ladies and gentlemen, that will wrap another episode of Opportunity Knocks hosted by Dean Miller. I'll say unofficially sponsored by If You Live Here Long Island. Go check it out. Uh, help us spread the word of small business ownership, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, mom and pop shops. They need our help every day, regardless of what kind of pandemics, epidemics, uh, situ economic situation the world is going through. They are the people who build your community and support your community. And while I said to someone the other day, the big corporations hire the locals, you know what? It's, it's Mr. And Mrs. Smith who own the coffee shop down the block who are there to help you when you got a problem and need to need to do the right thing. And they will always do the right thing because they care about you as an individual because you do the same for them. We thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to my rants, and we look forward to seeing you back soon on another episode of Opportunity Knox. Thank you so much.